Thanks, Mitch. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Meg. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Lewis, for asking me. And uh, wow, I'm 63. I got here when I was 20. I didn't stay all the time, but I have never essentially left. Um, I put my name in the chat now. I, I used to just say, get your butt in the chair, get your name on the list. Just put my name on the list. The pad would go around. We would sign our names. I'm like, if I'm signing my name, that's a good thing. You know, it's better than the alternative of not signing my name. However, my my food plan was at the time. I um, had the blessing of having a very intelligent mom who knew I was in trouble with food by the time I was 14. Um, I had an older sister who also is an addict. And uh, my mom was like, hey, this is this is odd. This is not regular, you know. So there was no there was no shaming. There was just help. And I was at an addiction specialist very young. Um hold on, I just realized that my computer though plugged in was not plugged into the wall. Um you know, that's kind of how my life goes. So my mom figured it out early. I knew I was an addict. My three-year-old experience or four-year-old experience was which was going to run out first, the cereal of Cocoa Krispies or the milk. Like one was going to go first and that was the only stop point there was about cereal. And it was pretty embarrassing, you know, at my normal girlfriend's houses who I spent a lot of time with, even by age five, I, you know, just their families would kind of talk about, wow, you know, you really eat a lot of protein. And that was kind of all there was left on. I just kept eating. I um, I didn't get overweight until I was 13 and a half, 14. I wasn't terribly overweight until, um, well, I kind of like was 135, 140, hit high school, could take it down sometimes, look really great, bam it back up there, kind of played with 40 pounds through high school. I think I... Finished up high school at about, uh, well, 155 was a normal weight for me there. There were probably times that when it was worse, certainly times when it was better. Um, remarkable differences, right? You know, my life was like extremely different in, in during those times. And then I hit college at 170, 175, and I got to 200. I now weigh uh, 134. So I, uh, when we came in 20, 30, 40 43 years ago, there was such a thing as a gray sheet and uh, it was a food plan and everybody was on it and everybody was thin. That was just sort of how it was. It was like a really, but that yeah, food plan didn't work for everybody. And some people's hair fell out or whatever, you know, like, but it was very low carb. And true for me is I need to eat low carb. And of late, I heard one of our fellows who's been around as long as me and she had recently in my age group also taken off eight pounds, which if you've been, I've been pretty much 70 pounds less a lot of my adult life through two pregnancies. It's been really nice. I mostly, I've certainly had trouble with food and I've certainly messed up, but I never doubted that I was a compulsive overeater and that I would never get away with it. There wasn't a bite of sugar that I have taken in my life that I knew wasn't going to screw me to the wall, um, period. I pretended, I wanted, you know, I, sheet cakes. Like my idea of, of, of a fantasy was getting locked in the Safeway bakery overnight because they used to close. 
right? And so just buttercream, okay? Like I just, I'm, I'm talking, I've bought sheet cakes, you know, like just give me, Mitch, you're laughing so hard. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just a sheet cake kind of gal, like, you know, and I just want, I, I just want a knife. I don't want a fork. So I, um, I lost my fabulous mother when I was, uh, she was sick by the time I was 14 and a half, 15, dead by the time I was 16. That's a pretty rough go. Um, and I just would leave high school. I got my driver's license. I drove to Stanford to do the cancer treatment for the, you know, six months. And then she died that quickly. And then I used my driver's license to drive to Capwell's parking lot where I would walk into the bakery and I would get these pink boxes and I would just, I, would, I, I remember exactly what was in them. And they were like, like two boxes and I would go sit in my car and I didn't cry. I didn't cry ever about my mom. I just ate. That was just what I did. And I have five sisters and um, three of us are addicts and three aren't. Um, I'm the only one I would say out of the three of us that has peace of mind. <laughs> there's too much alcohol. There's too much, a lot of things. Oh my God. Okay, that's fine. Okay, good. So what do I want to tell you? That's what it was like. It was either a disaster or it was just really lovely. I have a very healthy, gorgeous body. I, I enjoy it. It's been a wonderful gift in my life. But when it was um, heavy, I didn't think um, that was a good thing. I was never a secret eater. I would go into the ice cream parlor and I would order two giant hot fudge sundaes. It's like, excuse me, I have enough trouble being fat. I'm going to care what you think. You're like, don't bother me. I don't want to get in this line twice. Just serve me the first one and I'll be back for the second. So I just really didn't hide it. I didn't need to. I, I just had people in my life uh, that loved me. The people in my life were thin. I didn't have people in my life that were overweight. I did have a bulimic sister who was pretty nuts. Um, but other than that, I really didn't have binge buddies. I just ate whole cheese, large pizzas with pepperoni on them every day as a normal behavior. Um, in my life, am I, you know, I, I'm still friends with these people. That's, you know, 55 years later, my high school girls um, didn't date much because I wouldn't take my clothes off. Um, and I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it when I could. So that was nice. And um, there were plenty of wonderful years, plenty of wonderful years. I've now been married 30 years to best guy I ever met. And um, he's spectacular. And I met him when I weighed 200 pounds. I didn't date him when I weighed 200 pounds, but I met him when I was 200 pounds and he wanted to date me. And I thought, okay, this will work because I know I can't promise that I won't be fat. I certainly can't marry somebody when I'm 130 and then they think I'm supposed to stay 130. That wouldn't work. But I didn't date him until I had fasted. So fasting is what worked for me. And here's really my story. My story is that I have to be honest with myself more. And of late, I've been really figuring out in the last three years how to really overeat on fruit and popcorn and not get fat. But what my girlfriend said to me, who has so many years in all these programs, she just said, Meg, you're suffering. You know, no, you're not hitting 140. No, you're not hitting 140. You know, that's nice. And, and you're still in the same clothes and nobody notices, but you're suffering. And I looked at this website called Metabolic Mind, and it was, I'm, I'm in mental health. So I was learning a lot about mental health and, and there are serious illnesses that are helped with ketogenic diets. 
one of them being major depression. And I had somebody I was relating with that was in major depression. And I looked at this website and it just reminded me, oh, ketogenic. So in my mind, physiologically, the part of the disease is physiological is that I am insulin resistant. And if I eat glucose and I run on glucose, my brain is not good. And if I eat things and my brain has to run more on ketones than on glucose, then I'm actually thrilled. I fasted for four months at a time, three different times. And they were, I was just pretty blissed out. You know, I just really wasn't hurt and drugged by the sugar. So that's the physical part. The emotional part is I am an honest, ethical, lovely woman. And my husband looked across the table at me at this dinner party we were at, which we never go out to dinner because I like to eat my food. I don't do Benihana's, but I, I had to rough it at a birthday party. And uh, he's just just smiling at me like, like we did it. We're 35 years in, we're, we're good. I mean, we're 30 years in. It, it's just, it's just good. I have kids that are in trouble. I got, I got one that's, that's working with autism. He's brilliantly doing beautifully, but that was a really disastrous decade for nobody telling you what was going on. And then I have a kid that's really alcoholic and struggling with, with this disease too, and just really distressed and in major depression. And seems like it's getting better. Seems like there's moments of glory there, real prayer. And I have a youngest who's so anxious that she reminds me of why my grandfather was bipolar. My dad was <laughs> real depressed and up and down. And I'm, you know, no easy, no easy ticket myself. So that's the emotional part. I've just told the truth for so long. I've done my meditation for so long and I suck so bad at meditation. So here's what it looks like. I put on Tit Nhat Han, it's 20 minutes and I drink coffee. I, I look at my email, but he's going and I hear him and he's saying, you're taking a breath. You're taking a breath. You're taking a breath. You know, like, like you're going to take a breath. You're actually breathing deeper. You're calmer. You're releasing. And the truth is, is that I really do throughout the day really have the ability to calm down. I'm very grateful. I, I run my marriage on gratitude every day. We met, I thought I was going to be, they already bought me all the wedding presents when I was 30. Meg, that's 10, honey. So, so my family bought me the microwave, the wedding presents. I mean, they bought me everything because I was single and fat and I was 30. So you had to like get her the stuff, you know? So, and so when Mike and I met, it was, we were both 29, 30 and we were grateful. So gratitude is a huge, huge part of my program. The spiritual part is the steps and um, step one is the most important one. It's the most important one. Um, in my spiritual practice, they call it uh, kenosis, which is emptying, being emptied. And so step one, as soon as I know that I can't eat just a sort of chocolate cake because I'm actually not eating it, it's eating me. As soon as that is a memory that comes back to me, like, oh, oh, you're not actually just able to manage this just desserts, you know, building that you have to, you know, drive four hours to get to. So I can't do that. It doesn't work for me. But as soon as I remember I'm powerless over it, then it's lifted. It, it's very lifted. And recently I really had a nice run with just feeling like, wow, carbs really need to be at a screaming minimum in my life. So that's the, um, that's step one, I'm powerless. And I'm powerless over my mind and my parents dying and my aunt and blah, blah, blah. Like all four of my women died before 60. So I like, and my 
therapist I was seeing because they all died, committed suicide. So I'm just saying losses were so tremendous in my life before I was 30. And then I met Michael. That kind of really helped. Um, what can I say? Um, step two. I really, really believe in God and I've always had a spiritual feeling, but had nothing to do with food. So it didn't work at all. There was no practicality to having a faith, um, a faith that works, a faith that works. And really just the meetings are enough and trusting other people and the gifts I get from listening to other people going through their spiritual process in these rooms. That's brilliant. Step three is a real commitment. And I am committed and I have been committed for, what is it? What did I say? 42 years? I can't remember anymore. 43 years. I am committed to that. I suck at it sometimes, but I'm committed. And so I turn my will and my life over to the best of my ability every day. And I turn over my clients and I turn over my kids and I turn over the dog I don't have right now. And so I, I turn over all the things that are happening. And step four is wonderful and don't do it too long. I'm just so, so wanting to say that out loud. The kids that started this thing, they like got a piece of paper. They wrote it on a napkin. They did it in a day. They wrote it all down. They got in the car, the station wagon with the wood paneling on the side, and they drove around town and apologized to everybody. They didn't do it for five months or two and a half years. A four-step four is a three-by-five card where you just get it out, you know, like uh, when you've done 25 of them, it's a three by five card, but you know, it's a binder at first, but just do it fast. And the people I've respected a great deal. They said, if they start a four step with somebody, um, they plan the date for the fifth step. There's just, there's no interruption. It's got a date on it and you may not be finished, but at least you get rid of that first load. Right. So I've just seen so many people just binge their brains out while they write the fourth step. So I think that's dangerous. So a fifth step is a brilliant genius wonder of being loved in a way that is not usual in life. And then six and seven are the whole program, but um, mostly we all suck at that. Uh, I suck significantly at it, but way better after, you know, trying it 30 times, 40 times, 50 times deliberately with a person who's working with me. Um, seven is the whole thing, which is, I can't do it. Please help me. I can't do it. Please help me. Um, eight and nine, were kind of automatic for me. I didn't really have a lot of stress in that area. I had to, you know, pay back the restaurants I worked for before they fired me and I ate all their cake. But um, he sort of laughed at me. It wasn't a real hard one. I didn't, I, I wasn't alcoholic. I wasn't a drug addict. It's like easier with food. You kind of don't mess with other people as much, except for emotionally. So I think that um, that was nice. And what do we got left? Um, 10, I've always sucked at. <clears throat> I have some people here that are my role models in 10 and I uh, I don't do it. I, I really, really don't. But I kind of never go to bed with an apology on my head. I, I just can't bear it. So I, I'm very quick to like get on what I need to say. 11, I practice regularly and often I listen to people. I listen for over an hour a day, I'm sure every day in many, many other ways. I, I hear my teachers, I listen, I I'm not a fan of that everything's in the big book. I'm a fan of that Bill Wilson was going to all kinds of things. And the more you learn about those guys, they 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 went out into the bigger world. I think it's very, very, very wonderful. Everything that's in the big book and I have memorized it. That's time, Meg. And thank, and then there's 12 and that's another area I'm working on. But I do do a lot of service and love, but I'm finding myself so over busy lately. It's been hard. 
I appreciate you. Thank you.